Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTGA podcast on this bank holiday Monday. I hope you're all doing well. Mikey Stafford here. Um, we're talking football in the company of Kevin McStay, uh, Connor Neville of RT Online, and as always, Rory O'Neill. How are we, lads? Very Morning, good, Mikey. Fellas. Good stuff. We've we've a podcast debutante coming up in a bit, Shane McGrath, formerly of Tipperary, to talk about the hurling. But um, I think... Do we have to? He, hmm? <laughs> <laughs> you know what no we're good Rory people get angry if we focus on Cork so we no, won't we'll focus we won't. on Claire uh, you know? and, and rightly so yeah can't talk about a busted flush all day um anyway speaking of busted flushes to matters in Oma yeah. um good segue there thanks 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 um that that is a nicer way into it than me crowing yet again about being the sage football tipster it may have been a half-hearted tip for Derry, but I did stick with my tip for the Ulster Championship. And Kevin, it's looking like they're very, like, as always, the Ulster Championship is, is stuffed with intrigue. But, like, if you put 11 point, if you inflict an 11-point win on the All-Ireland Champions, even if they're off-colour, you have to be in the running to win a provincial championship. Yeah. And uh, the manner in which they did it, Mikey, was very, very impressive. From uh, it's something I'm sure I'll be talking about later when we, we're chatting about Dublin against your own lads in Wexford. The the manner of it is what's significant in that it's it's from the gun to the finish line. It's con- it was consistent application of a, a an attitude and a plan. I'd say that they had long contemplated back home in Derry, and uh, and they rolled it out with with real efficiency and commitment to every aspect that like they were tactically perfect and they never got ahead of that. In other words, even when they got the gap, they still got, you know, around the two minutes out of their, out of their, out of their shot clock. If that's what they wanted to do, if they felt that was the right thing to do, I thought it was superb. Like their commitment uh, to the, to that championship game was complete. This was the all Ireland for them. And that's always the, that's always the problem for the champion team when you're being chased that this game becomes that All-Ireland for the opposition. And uh, I, I did a few of those games. In fact, I did the last big surprise, I think, for Derry. I, I think it was against Tyrone as well, and they may well have been champions back then. 2006, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, they were, I, yeah. I, I was at that game. I was co-common with, with, with one of the lads, and um, they uh, they pulled off the surprise. The little bit we get down south that we don't fully realise down south is the nature of this rivalry. I won't say it's quite Galway, Galway Mayo or Kerry Cork perhaps but it's up there it, it's well up there uh, there'd be no love lost between them and uh, be, the Derry would see this as the match of the year f- for them and um, it was it was I suppose it was kind of astonishing really that not, not that they won it I think we've spoken about that I don't, I don't think that was astonishing it was a, a, a surprise an upset a mild surprise I don't know which one you want um, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have tipped them now fairness Mikey I wouldn't have gotten for them for the win but I did see it being very close but then flip the coin the absolute um implosion of the champions was just it was amazing to see in terms of their their attitude was 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 just so off it was shocking uh, and then the discipline started to fall apart uh, they never they never put a hand on them did they really so completely um, a, a compelling victory for for Derry and of course 
it puts them to, to to answer your question. Of course, it puts them in the seat for for Ulster champions. Um, but they have some fence to jump in the next round. And if they were to get to the final, they have another fence. It would nearly take two more performances like yesterday, probably for them to win. But are they capable of doing that? They most likely are because um, they have a clever backroom team and they have a lot of good footballers that seem very committed to doing something major in 2022. That's my sense of it. Yeah. Rory, they, the idea is that, I think it was mentioned on the Sunday game last night, that Derry out Tyrone Tyrone, which is kind of a, a nice way of putting it. They just, they ran the legs off them, didn't they? Rory Gallagher said it was teamwork. I think 11 of their points came from turnovers. They limited Tyrone to 16 shots. Tyrone were off colour, but you know, you kind of got a chicken and the egg situation here, haven't you? Tyrone, how off colour were Tyrone before the ball was thrown in and how off colour were they because of just the the red wave that faced them? Derry came with a plan, as Kevin said, and just absolutely destroyed them. Um, I think 11 points maybe even flatters Tyrone. I think there was probably more for Derry if they had really pushed on. They were obviously playing against 14 men for large parts of the... He just got sent off just before half time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah 26 um, or 7 minutes. Yeah, and then obviously don't, don't, don't 13 men then, like at the end. Which would suggest, I mean, if you, if you kind of look at... Like, I mean, I, the starting point, I suppose, is the All-Ireland Champions. Should we be surprised? They had a dreadful league campaign, by and large, saved themselves at the last... Involved in a major row in Armagh. Then there's another shamazzle the last day. You know, um, loads of defections from the panel. Bad vibes coming out of the place. Have historically struggled to defend their All-Ireland crown. Now, I know that's a different era. But um, I, I, rem- I was listening to a, another podcast, Kieran Murphy on Second Captains. Uh, not so How dare ago. you? Yeah, it's a very good one. It's, it's a very good one. Right? And he made he made quite an outlandish claim where he described them as the worst All Ireland champions of the last 30 years. And I see um Dick Clerkin is Dick writing. Says Dick Clerkin says yeah. Dick Clerkin is writing in the Independent this morning saying that what we saw yesterday reinforces the notion that last year's All Ireland victory was lucky. Like those kind of cat calls are going to grow louder. No, mm. you know, there's no, there's no such thing. As I a, don't as agree as either. A, as a lucky, yeah, no there isn't. Thing. There isn't. And look, they had a hard-fought Ulster championship. They, 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 they had they earned their crust coming through Ulster, and then had to be Kerry. Now, admittedly, Kerry had to do effectively a whole new preseason while they were waiting for that All Ireland semi-final because it dragged out so long and lost all their early season form as a result. But um, they, they had to be Kerry, the Mayo team who had beaten Dublin. Yeah, so but, that don't make but, that but, doesn't make that a lucky on Ireland. Yeah, but, but look, says. but look, I suppose, yeah, it's just been it's been dis- a disappointing exit from the Ulster Championship. Their reign, I suppose, All Ireland champions is technically not over still, but you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't be, um, you wouldn't be push push putting much support behind the notion that they're going to retain that crown at this stage. No. Um, I laugh at the idea of Kerry's uh, Kerry losing the momentum of a Munster football championship, but which all their other titles are always based on. Um, Kyra, let's stick with Tyrone for a second. And I, I read Dick Clark in there just not long before we started recording, and I thought it was on. Unf- I thought it was unfair, and I wouldn't agree with Murph either. I think, I, I think Tyrone were fantastic last year. I think they, they just. It's hard to describe. Like they, 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 the alteration in how they played under Mickey Hart, how they play under the two lads, was phenomenal, and they played to their strengths, which is all any team can do. 
and they beat what was put in front of them, and that included Kerry and Mayo. So I think it's unfair to say that they're the worst all Ireland in 30 years, and it's very unfair to say they were they were lucky. But it is fair to say that the arse has fallen out of them this year. Yeah, it's very curious. I mean, the thing, just narrowing it down to that game yesterday, the thing that struck me the most was Brian Kennedy's uh, sending off, because it's the kind of thing that happens very late in the match. This kind of it's needless kicking out. And that was just before half time or about eight minutes before half time. Score still 7 4. And when that happened, they're down to 14. They're, they haven't played that well, but it, it, it was it was indicative of something. It sort of suggested that there's a general malaise. If you have a player, if you have that discipline in dis, ill discipline being shown before even half time in a key championship game, suggests all isn't entirely well there. I know there was a lot of defections during the league and the, that was a bit troubling on, on one level on another level you said well most of those players were kind of fringe, a lot of them were fringe players I think none of them had started either the semi-final or final last year so and that's you were you were inclined to maybe write that off a bit but you have to look at that again and say there have been bad vibes around Tyrone since the beginning of the year they've obviously a miserable record in terms of defending titles before um, now I know this that was in a different era, I suppose. 2006 was mentioned there. I mean, that was probably the worst title defence in history. I think Leash subsequently Leash beat them. Leash knocked them out in a qualifier, that's Leash correct. Leash subsequently yeah. beat them in a qualifier. So they have a, there's a kind of almost a tradition now growing of this, this happening. Um, as for the uh, worst All-Ireland winners of all time, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, they, they beat, they came through a tough Ulster Championship, beat Kerry and then beat Mayo after all that. I mean, I think it was hard won. I mean, there's a couple of under, other candidates that come to mind who I won't mm. mention at the moment. But, uh, <laughs> well, you can. You can show it out there. You can worry. say 2010 yeah, if you want, Connor. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. I can say 2010 if I want. It was a hard all Ireland to win, lads, believe me. All the provincial finalists went out the same day. Uh, provincial winners went out the same day. We got onto the annoying the dub segment. You had 95. <laughs> came to um, There's plenty of competition there, I would say. Yeah. But, uh, As yeah, a male I mean, man, we... I'll take any one of those lucky ones that were going. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Are it not deserved any of those type? I'll I'll jump in and take them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we can rewrite then, the, the the history books. Yes, Cutter. You don't know how the qualifiers are going to pan out, but the, the manner of the, the leash loss, won't be knocking them out anyway. Be knocking them out, but the imagine, manner of the loss. Imagine, imagine, imagine if they draw our man yet let it ground. That'd be some crack. Yeah, how many sendings off? What is it, three or four? <laughs> um, um, yeah, look, it, it, they, they're a bit off colour, but I think, Kevin, it would be uh, doing, doing an, uh, an injustice to Derry to not kind of, I know you have already praised them, but um, I, to me, I always look at, say, um, half-back line and a full-forward line, and if the two of them are operating well, you won't be too far off. And yesterday, that's that's kind of what Derry had. They had their, their, their half-back, they had probably the two contenders for man of the match, in their half-back line, Conor Doherty got it, but you could have definitely made yeah, a strong case for McKinley's getting it. And then you... Hard line got a big score, didn't they? Yeah. They, um, Benny Heron got two from play. Uh, McGuigan only got two from play and and two from play for Niall Lachlan as well. And obviously McGuigan and Lachlan contributed from freeze. Um, but I guess it was it was almost like the link between those two areas of the pitch. Like They were just playing old-fashioned one-bounce like kick passes in and... Heron was out in front every time. Lachlan was out in front every time. Uh, I was going to make this point about Claire and Hurland later. Sometimes a team can just, they can make a game look simple enough. Like, you know, it, and it is a simple game when it's played right. Derry played it right yesterday and they might have been let to an extent, but 
they're very talented footballers and Rory Gallagher has them playing a way that suits them. And that's, yeah. like I said about Tyrone last year, that goes a long way to winning your matches. Just about every single play by Derry was a replica of everybody back, ferocious commitment to the, well, the proper word I'd say is the steal rather than the turnover. Turnovers are bad, steals are good. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, to, total commitment to winning the ball back quickly. Uh, and, and they were ferocious at that. And then total commitment to the break, uh, the transition as in breaking out. And they tried to get the ball in early on that, as you just said to Hearn, out in front, see, can you loop with somebody or can you get your own shot off? And in many respects, it was a very simple game plan. But the problem was to execute it was going to take total physical and mental commitment. And that's that's where the real kudos have to go to in terms of the, the, the plan and the execution of it. It was perfect and it was relentless. It never stopped. There was nobody allowed to go freelancing out of it. Even, you know, the, the fine players they have, McGuigan, uh, Heron, etc., who have lots of other qualities, they stayed very well within... The, the framework that, that Derry were going to insist on so that they never gave any oxygen at all to uh, Tyrone. And then, as Connor says, obviously the sending off took whatever chance there was, well, certainly the first sending off, whatever chance there was, because when you were down a man, now you saw the madness that had to happen with, with Morgan coming up, trying to mark space at, at, at the midfield area. So there's a bit, it becomes all becomes a bit chaotic. So... Playing against a team like Derry, down a man, is savage. It's bad enough to start with, but now you're down a man, it becomes certainly the offensive threat from the opposition is nearly gone. And you can look at the Tyrone scoreline to see, well, that, that's pretty much it. So I would say a, a, a really excellent plan, perfectly perfectly ex executed. And um, But can they do that again now for two more big games in Ulster? That'll be the test. That'll yeah. Well, the, the, their fitness has been remarked on, Rory, since the start of the season. They're super uh, fit. They're super, <laughs> super, super fit. Um, but it seems their manager is in pretty good nick too, because it was commented on a lot yesterday, and Damien O'Mara put it to him in his post-match interview that how exercised he was. Yeah, he and was really I, I think it's it. Dick Clerkin who says it today. We should have cameras trained on himself and Banty now the next day because the activity on the sideline will be off the charts. He's unbelievably vocal as well. I mean, he was so into it from start to finish. Um, you know, they, it was a relentless performance by Derry and he was pretty relentless on the line, constantly, you know, in their ears up and down with the officials, getting involved with players as they were coming off, you know, gesticulating to the crowd, cheering every score. Uh, like, I think that's not a bad thing to see in a manager. Sometimes they can be quite... Not if you're the opposition, not if you're the opposition manager, it's not nice. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's that is, is true. But, um, I, I, you know, look, I, I, I think that adds a bit of colour to the whole pageantry around the occasion for neutrals and certainly for supporters watching. Um, can it be a bit of a distraction? Well, I suppose that just depends on how the team is playing ultimately. And like in fairness, he had his team primed yesterday. They have some savage players. Like Derry have some really, really good footballers. I don't think that should get lost. David, as you mentioned earlier, Mikey, they have a terrific half back line in um, uh, Connor Doherty, McKinless, and McGrogan. And 
Rogers and Rogers and uh, Rogers McKee. and Chrissy McKagan signed the full back line. They've got depth at midfield. They've got you know options Bradley, on Bradley the bench. Yesterday, Emmett Bradley could potentially be coming in. You got that young lad Lachlan Murray who looks a really good prospect, but still McFall. very very young. Kieran McFall, obviously, you know what will he be thinking on his way to America? You know, he's, um, he's there by now unless he took a yeah, steamer. You know, so so like I mean, Janie, they could go on a bit of a journey this year. Um, but I think Kevin's point is also well made. You know, can they replicate that performance now the next day against Monaghan, who will be a, who will present a, a very different challenge? Mm. Conan Doherty, um, sorry, Conor Doherty, not Conan Doherty. He's a former <laughs> colleague of mine who was uh, on the telly yesterday. He's a Derry yeah, fan. He yeah, wasn't. Yeah. He wishes he was playing. Um, just um, he made the point that it was uh, this is Conor Doherty. I'm talking about now, man, the match and birthday boy. He made the point that it was three years in the making this win, and it was interesting. Uh, Damien just asked uh, Gallagher or uh, Conor like a question about you know you know what was the what was the game plan? He said it was just teamwork, work together. But he kind of just he carried on with the answer himself then it was kind of revealing he said didn't particularly enjoy the first eight or nine months but together with the county board we just kept building on it and we've committed to each other in the last 18 months was this point that's interesting that like that you know he wasn't asked to volunteer that but he kind of gave it he said you know we had a tough start um but in the last year and a half kind of you know i've got things the way i want them and with rory gallery you always get the impression it's either his way 100 yeah. percent or he's not going to be interested because he clearly does ask a lot of his players. Well, that could have been, I mean, that was COVID was his first year, so that could have accounted yeah. for, mm. for some of that um disruption or lack yeah. of enjoyment. Um there is a perception that of course Derry got a bit of a burst during COVID. I mean, they had a fantastic uh division three campaign last year. They absolutely hammered everyone out the gate. They're, they have been talked about for a long time. I mean, they could have made this breakthrough last year. Mm very close to it against Donegal in that game. Yeah. It was it had huge been hype. a backdoor last year, Connor. Yeah, who knows, absolutely. You know? I mean, who knows where they, I mean, yeah. the, the quarterfinal team, possibly, I would have said, but they, they had huge hype about them in Division 2 and then they sort of air went out of the bag a bit towards the end of Division 2 with that. Um, well, they had their fixtures were backloaded, so. The blitz against Galway, well, even failing to beat Roscommon in a game they, that was there for them, the controversial call at the end. So, I mean, that was disappointing. And then then kind of the narrative moved elsewhere and people stopped hyping them. But, you know, clearly they were, they've always been building and Tyrone were very, whatever psychological conditions are there in Tyrone at the moment, they were very vulnerable to this sort of hungry team coming along and demolishing them. And it's not at all a surprise. It is a surprise that the game was over at halftime. Yeah. I mean, when that penalty went in, the game was, the game was over. Yeah. So I, I think... Derry, it, it, we have seen it before, teams bursting from nowhere and winning Ulster. I mean, even Jim McGuinness with Donegal in his first year, they weren't they weren't mapped really before he came in. They won Ulster immediately. Derry could do that easily. I mean, I, now they have a very tough game against Monaghan coming up, and I I fancy the winners at the Monaghan-Derry game to uh, to win Ulster, actually. Uh, yeah, that's that's a conversation for another day. But um, listen, it, 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 it was... It was um, it was a game to make us stand up and take notice. Uh, we'll move to matters in Munster now. And uh, it's funny you mentioned Niall Morgan coming up in American space, uh, Kevin. Yesterday we were laughing at him scampering back to his goal and annoyed that the Derry players didn't try to lob. That's how that's how focused we are. And uh, one of the lads uh, in work suggested um, 
instead of penalties they should start start the offensive player on the 60 yard line and start the goalkeeper on the 45 yard line and uh that's how you should settle a match but yeah, um, most. yeah yeah but the uh, penalties are the best aren't they penalties I are the just, best like it. i'm actually I, I i was almost wanting to avoid discussing the merits of them or not but it was oh, the first sorry, one yeah. so no 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 but like the fact no, that I is, last it, night and the boys saying yeah. uh, take shots from outside the d You'd fall asleep watching that. Yeah, no, it was... but they've tried all of these, Kev. You know, yeah, these and they were dull. They were dull, yeah. and they were kind of embarrassing for players as well. Who Could you imagine are... a, a big match in Crow Park, and you're taking penalties into the canal, and the place jammed behind it? It would yeah. be sensational. Uh, some of the pictures from Saturday Night Night were brilliant. Every kid in the place who was quick enough to move once the referee decided yeah, which end they were going to was belted down. There was great and pictures. Also, did, you, also, did you see the three lads with the high vids on? They, they, they were to the left, like <laughs> high vis, and you're taking penalties, and your eye line. <laughs> like it's also a game of football with a round football with a goal. If there if there was a better way, do you not think the the multi billion euro dollar industry that is soccer would have figured figured it out by now? You know, yeah. like the, the chances are the golden goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 tried everything too. Oh yeah, that's right, the ice hockey style one. But like, and then you start on the forty-five, and you have to run in, and <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be bad. But the, this this argument, Kevin, that it's not a skill of the game is nonsense. Of course, penalty taking is a skill of the game. It's a huge skill. It, it's <laughs> often a, again, I, I ask Mayo about penalties. You know, yeah. so uh, it's a massive skill. And actually, I'd have to commend the Limerick penalty takers in the shootout. I, I only saw them last night for the first time, but I was tuned into yeah. the radio, obviously, listening to it on, on, on Saturday evening. But the quality of the penalty taken was, like, what people forget, and uh, I've often been coaching this now with my own minor players, etc. is, number one, the, the size of the, the width of the goal in Gaelic compared to, to uh, soccer is three foot short of it. So mm. the, the whole idea that uh, uh, it, it's not a difficult skill, like before... The ball this, is heavier. The ball, and it used to be in my day back out on the well, the old line, the 13 meter line. It's mm. on the 11 now. At least it gives you a bit of a chance. I mean, in the old days, the the clever call was to pull a fella down because it was definitely it's not even 50 50. Because by the time the goalie, the goalie would nearly be tackling you as you were taking the shot. <laughs> so, um, it's all a little bit fairer now, but the skill of it is now. One little caveat I put in it I don't buy the goalies in Gaelic diving the wrong way that has not I trying to guess I've often spoken to goalkeeper coaches there is no requirement in Gaelic football for a goalie to to second guess uh, the position he can stay up and go for it because of the the three foot that that's missing if you like Um, but it is a great skill Mikey and it's the only way to finish a game that's level after extra time no there's no other way I was uh, I have a terrible record. I've I've retired from Gaelic football to concentrate on my junior hurling career here in Wicklow. But as a Gaelic football goalkeeper, I had a terrible a record. There's a statement to be issued on that, is there? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I start practicing them now. I mean, that's the question. I mean, we yeah. should have anyway because I was brutal. It's, I, I I was a man to go the wrong way a lot, Kev. A long way. Around. Um, the interesting thing for me, uh, Connor, was what Billy Lee said after the matches. Um, full time went himself and the backroom team got in a huddle. He put five names down on a piece of paper. He said, they're my five takers. Then they got the players all together and they asked the players to put up their names. And the five players on his piece of paper were the five players who put up their names. Wow. Uh, Peter Nash, Ian Corbett, Robbie Burke, Brian Donovan and James Naughton. So then he put them in the order he wanted, which was right. And uh, it was uh, Peter Nash who didn't get to take one. But 
Like, well. like we've been praising Billy Lee a lot here, but like the man clearly knows his players, and he sounds like they were practice penalties because he knew who should be taking them and who would take them. It bodes well. I mean, that that so- solves the dilemma that's often faced managers in penalty shootouts before. I mean, who wants to take it, or who do you think is best to take it? And they don't often uh, they don't often match up a lot of the time <laughs> in the pressure moment. But uh, it's great that it, it obviously paid off. I mean, um, pretty one sided shootout really in the end. But yeah. Um, there's still a few holdouts in soccer, I think. Some of the old purists who still resent penalties coming in in the 80s. I'm reading Brian Glanville back in the day, talking about it being an obscenity. Gaelic football, it's even more of a cultural leap, I would say. Um, I know Billy Sheehan said earlier in the year that he didn't believe it was a skill in Gaelic football and that there should be another way of sound, maybe kicking freeze or something out of the hands. Um, but it's, it's it's exciting and... In the circumstances where two teams can't be separated after 90 minutes, I mean, what I mean, it seems as good a way as any at this point. Uh, and, and you've got no floodlights in Cusick Park, so you're running yeah, out of options. Big, you know, yeah. and obviously, we're, we're trying to cut down on, on replays, essentially. So. Yeah, um, well, but, well, that's, but that's that's another issue. Like, we're, we're in blitz format here. The championships are being run off in a blitz format. So you can't afford replay. You know, and yeah. this this just puts the, the the tin hat on it in terms of making sure that the game comes to a conclusion. But yeah, it was um, it was certainly dramatic. Yeah, um, but Kevin, I think in the end of the day, Claire will be absolutely kicking themselves because this game shouldn't have gone to extra time. Um, Donald O'Sullivan, the Limerick goalkeeper, is being praised for his his late save, and far be it from a terrible junior B goalkeeper like me to to take away from him. But Gavin Cooney kicked the ball at his foot. He'd gone the, he he'd gone down to his left. Cooney had the whole other side of the goal, and he kind of he he hit the keeper in the foot. It was a save, of course, it was a save, and he was in the way of it. That's all the keeper can do. But the ball should have been nowhere near his foot once he went down. Should it? Well, he's entitled to claim it as a save, obviously. It is him. Um, oh, it is, yeah, it's a save. Yeah, but... <laughs> claims as a save. Any, any, anybody in the in the goalkeeper in the way of it will, will claim that one. But it actually reminded me of a goal the Gooch the Gooch scored against Mayo one year in the final where he did the exact same shimmy, but he kept his composure and passed it into the big gaping uh, hole on the left hand side of the goal, which is. Which is what the requirement never, was. He never went for power, Gooch. Like, yeah, he never went for power. Yeah, he just placed it lovely. The goalie was going in the opposite direction. It was just perfection. But uh, you see, this, this, is the, this is what what makes me laugh. We all start, these are not real skills. or uh, There's mm. no pressure. There's pressure in everything. Pressure in everything. Mm. Oh, absolutely. And uh, he, had the, he had the winning of the game, essentially, there. If he just rolls it in. But, you know, the, the brain is going at 100 miles an hour. Uh, the sweat has fallen into your eyes <laughs> and, and mad things happen and uh, the poor lad just hit it straight at, at the keeper and uh, the rest is now history and Clear will be kicking themselves because this was this looked like a very likely ticket uh, and 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 something they probably deserved but you know we know you get nothing there's nothing deserved in this game but but you would have felt that Clear had paid their dues to the Munster Championship and this was their golden ticket now into a, in, into a, into a Munster final you know, you'd have fancy them to go go ahead and be tipped. I would anyway. Um, but I, I have to I have to say fair play to Limerick, they kept at it. And 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 they're quite deserving of of this this uh, opportunity now as well. Um tip tip will certainly uh, fancy their chances. They, yeah. they won't they, 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 I would say it's slightly in favour of tip now to make that final uh, because of the recent experience. I know they've lost a lot of players since that. Um but uh, you're at home as well. It's I, I think the big stadium. losers, 
Are they at home as well? Yeah, yeah, it's in, it's yeah, in Turles, they, yeah. That's another, that's another couple never, of Never the biggest advantage for the Tipperary footballers. No. no. But, <laughs> but, they, uh, but they, they'll be doing, they'll probably be training yeah. there more often than the Tipperary hurlers at the minute, anyway, <laughs> that's for sure. If you put it, the, the big losers, the big losers in Munster yesterday, when, when, you, when, you, when you peel it all back, were, were certainly clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you make of that, Roy? That, that I know you, you were very impressed with Tip in the Division 4 final, but Limerick have been, you know, they've been a common team and OK, Clare had their injuries, but they came through a real battle there. So um, it, it, it'll be an interesting semi-final, which, you know, if we just focus with on it as that, as a semi-final. But for Tip, it's a very big carrot because yeah, it means big time Sam Maguire for them. Yeah, there you go. Like they, And they'd be the first team possibly to avoid going into the Talchin. But... Um, we used to often make the point around the Leinster Championship about how good it would be if Dublin were extricated from it um, because you've probably got 10 teams then at a reasonably poor level, uh, admittedly, but you have 10 teams of a similar level. I think you could probably say the same about the Munster Football Championship in terms of Kerry. If you took Kerry out of it, I think it wouldn't be. It would be quite competitive um, right across the board. Um, the other five, well, certainly four, are, there's not too much now between the other four teams. Waterford, we were probably expecting a little bit more from them, you know, over the weekend, especially they were at home far field. But look, Tip did, you know, what Tip have, I suppose, be, um, been building towards in terms of trying to put together a brand new t- team. And I, yeah, like they're going to be at home, Munster semi final now. And um, the only thing is, last year, was that wasn't it last year that Connor Sweeney kicked that worldie from underneath the Mackie stand down and it down in Limerick? Was it was it 2020 or 2021? It was um, the semi final, wasn't it? Yeah, so you know that will probably still be there in the memory bank from a Limerick perspective, so they won't be lacking motivation. I think there's good momentum behind them now, obviously, having got a promotion and a really good championship victory under their belt. And it'll be a good opportunity for them, you know, to make a <clears throat> to make a monster final and have a rattle off Kerry. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, how the monster championship perhaps is a little bit like the Leinster championship. If you know, got you just have one to, big, to, one big monster, and you know well, all the rest. The, Connor, <laughs> I, I, unfortunately, I don't think this holds true anymore because we 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 talked it up quite a lot. The monster Cham- the Leinster championship here last week. You know, this is where the romance will be. We weren't including Wexford and Dublin in that. Even I hadn't been smoking anything strong enough to think Wexford were going to beat Dublin. But, you know, we had some hope for Wicklow being competitive. We had, well, I at least had quite a lot of hope for Louds really asking questions of Kildare. And um, I don't know if there's romance in your own Longford's match against Westmeath, but Westmeath were fancied as the home team. And, like, those were three... There was four very straightforward quarterfinals in Leinster. So this idea that it's uh, the, the the great utopia without Dublin maybe doesn't hold water. Yeah, I'm not sure uh, Meade found it that straightforward. I know they won by 10 in the end. I think there's still only four in it at half time, even after that. Uh, was it nine seconds, the goal? Two two fluky goals and the Wicklow forwards didn't turn up was the uh, analysis I got from one man at the game. So I don't know, is it that? I mean, I'm slightly underwhelmed by me. I know, I think Mead puts about seven goals past. That might have been, I'm sure it was that week. Well, for those of you who missed it last night, by the way, it's Mead, Dublin and Kildare, West Mead in the Leinster semi-finals. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no romance in the other games. Um, I'm not sure how much romance would have been in Loud overturning Kildare. I mean, they've actually done it quite often in the past 30 years. I think 1991, they might have beat them with Mikko's first team. They beat them in 2010 as well. 
in terms of the, the down the line for the Leinster Championship, I think it was probably better that Kildare demonstrated, you know, their credentials yesterday. I, they look very impressive now in the highlights. I only saw the highlights. Just the zip and their forwards. This huge raw athletic prowess there in Kildare, I always think, which isn't sort of sometimes matched by their nous in, in tight situations. But, you know, they look really good. And uh, I, I'm optimistic they can have a crack at Dublin. I mean, I, I still think Dublin will probably win Leinster this year. But I, I, we're getting close to the point where Kildare could, uh, could be, you know, I'm very hesitant about saying this. I mean, you have to tiptoe up to this, but I, they, they could be getting close to the point where it'll be, it'll be very close. Between oh, that's, would, you, that, would, you, would, you think, would you think so, Kev? No, neither no. would I. No, no Kev's they, shaking they, his head. Uh, Kev, you were, you were in Wexford Park. Um, and look, poor old Wexford, it was after the Lord Mayor's show of beating Offaly, which admittedly is, a, is not the greatest Lord Mayor's show you're ever, ever going to get. But um, this, this was, I think we used this analogy a couple of times here, this was Lions and Christians stuff. So how much did we really learn about Dublin? Well, I was, I was, I was doing a piece this morning about that, Mikey, trying to say, what do you learn when you beat uh, an inferior team? And generally speaking, not a lot, unless the performance is what you were coaching about in the week or fortnight before. Okay, so like it wouldn't have been, you wouldn't have to be a rocket scientist in the Dublin management team to say that, like, you know, look, when you have your management, we're likely to win this. This could be a route even if we hit all our sweet spots. What are we looking for from the game? So you have your, you, you have your list. Consistent application is always the number one thing. What did Desi say last night in the interview? Really pleased with the consistent application of the tactical plan, like, I'll give you a few measurements uh, of it, Mikey, to give you a sense of it. Uh, and uh, you can take it from what, what you want then. The new goalkeeping guy, the debutant, uh, Young O'Hanlon, he consistently beat four seconds on the ball to tee. Uh, uh, stopwatch. <laughs> to you can tell this was over the competition quickly, Kevin, to stopwatch yeah. out for the kickouts. <laughs> Yeah, but you see, this is part. This is part yeah. of their. This is what they want. They want the ball on the tee at four seconds, so that they have the options out the field. Mm -hmm. um, their tackling was outrageous. Their conditioning was excellent, and their hunger was obvious. It. It. it I thought it was an outstanding performance, and that's maybe kind of where we differ slightly. In fact, I think Westmead will ask major questions of of Kildare in the semi final. But anyway, going back to going back to going back to Wexford. Dublin. Uh, uh, to, to Wexford Park to the Dublin match um, it was just the hunger of it like Fenton's display at midfield and and, and he wasn't far behind him now and Conor Callaghan as well oh, I mean, Conor Callaghan's like, wow. like every ball Conor Callaghan got lads his his explosive first step that's inside. the thing Kev that's the thing Kev his ability to he stop goal and, on every play his ability to stop and turn you know, like, like, you know, the way some lads might need an extra step or two just to slow down so they can stop and turn. He can stop and turn like he can create. And he's so direct, you know, the minute he gets a ball into his hand. Now, he does fist the ball over the bar quite a lot, but I think that's half the time because of the angles that he tends to come in at. But an absolute nightmare. I mean, people were, you know, 
making a big thing around his absence during the league and the difference that he might make, might make when he came back on the scene. And even some Dublin supporters were, you know, sir, slightly circumspect about putting too much credence upon the impact that he'll bring when he comes back into the team. Now, I know it was, again, caveated by the fact that it was against Wexford, but I think, like, we saw exactly the impact that he brings. Like, he's just a weapon in there. Yeah, and he's up there. He's in the... He's in, he's the, in the David Clifford category. You bet me to it. You know? like he's, in the Clifford, he's in the Clifford category. And I'll give you one more one more um, example, Mikey, of, of, of this adherence to the pre-match objectives and what we want to see, lads, from you. You know, and everyone's playing for a jersey. If you fall back off this performance over 70, 75, there's going to be somebody fresh brought in because we're taking this as preparation for the full Leinster Championship. So when it came, when Wexford, as, as lower-ranked teams have, have a tendency to do, they come up narrow uh, out of defence. You know, when they're bringing it over and back and then they come lateral and something that takes it, I'll take a I'll chance a burst on the wing side. And that's a trap immediately because you're going to use the line as the extra, extra defender. And every time Wexford uh, walked into that trap, it was double team, treble team of, of, of dubs. And they just literally, when they're taking the ball off a child, they just pulverized them and the ball squirted out and they were gone again. And then this outrageous athleticism to that uh, counter-attack. Like they were coming in threes and fours off the shoulder. Like at the end, you said Khan has a habit of hand passing the ball over the bar, which which he has. But I'd suggest if the thing was tighter, I, I think he got a goal in six. And of the six points yeah, he got, one six, yeah. pretty much four or five of those point chances were on another day if required well. were yeah. goal. Yeah. And this, you you made the point perfectly. Not only has he the first, ex, the explosive step, but he has the ability, like rugby lads, how to straighten the line. He straightens his own line. He just... Off that first step, oh. it's like he draws a line between himself and the crossbar, the, the black spot, and he goes for it and, and, and get out of my way sort of thing. He, I, I just thought, and I, I know there is an asterisk about playing, at, you know, like after all, Wexford are, you know, ranked 30th nationally out of the division and that was the challenge ahead of them. Uh, but they, they did everything. Dublin did everything. Like Merchant was, was uh, identified as Brosnan's marker. And like he just welded himself to him. He never left him. You know, Brosnan, he got belts and wallops even when the game was in its the butt end of the match. He was still getting, you know, until he was taken off the poor M- lad. M- like, Merchant was was allowed one burst up the field, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. He, he, yeah. Did. he ran about 80 yards in about nine seconds. <laughs> there, was, there was a lad following him. There was a lad following him. Um, On a moped. The tongue was and, hanging uh, out. But, you know, I would, I would say... Uh, that Dublin have made the strongest of statements. Couldn't do any more. And Kev, for me, right? Okay, they're not as good as they used to be because the levels that they used to be were so high and so far enough, but they're still, oh, they're still by, a, by a mile the best team in Leinster. Mm. You know? um, we finish up now, so I actually want to go back to the hand passing of points thing as because I, I, I this now I, I was cranky watching this match now because it was over was after 10 minutes but Connor where do you stand on this like aesthetically I think it looks crap and secondly which aesthetics aren't that important I just don't think it's a skill and I think the game could be made far more exciting if it was taken Come out as there. an option I'd say there was there. I'd say there was 10 I'm guessing oh, yeah. well I'm gonna I'm gonna say there was close to 10 what do you think Connor 
Well, there seems to be a clamor for it. It was never something that exercised me that much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, once upon a time you could fist a goal. I mean, I looking back on the Kerry Golden years, I mean, the bomber, the bomber, it was a, it was a goal too. The bomber, the bomber threw the ball into the net about about twenty <laughs> times. <laughs> you won't get into those sore points again. But the Gaelic basketball era. That ended. I'm not sure when exactly that rule came out, but there seems to be a clamor for it. If you're, I mean, do people want, I mean, presumably the option lads will just start kicking them. I mean, what happens if a goalie is really tight to you? Like lads, often yeah. there is call for fisting it over. If you're about to be smothered, you can't get the ball down to your foot in time and you try and take the point. I mean, what happens then? Do lads just have to there's burst also, out of that situation? There, and, there's also, and there's also, Connor, I think, now I had this discussion before with a referee. There is a safety aspect to it. If you're running in along the end line yeah. and your only option really is to fist the ball over the bar, right? Now, let's say you take that option away. He's now got to kick it. When you go to kick it, it's a prone position. So in Gaelic football, so, so you're wide open and you're That's going to have, you know, you're wide open in that scenario then for to be absolutely nailed. Whereas it's, when you... It's broken, fist, it's broken leg territory. Or ruptured spleen or punctured lung out over the sideline as as body O'Shea might you know like a bar like a loaf, a, of, a bread, loaf of bread like a loaf <laughs> of bread so i think there is a safety aspect to it in that it just gives the player that extra bit of yeah. protection in terms of being like if he feels that there's going to be a big hit coming if he gets the hand pass away at least he can brace himself if he has to go and kick the ball he's leaving himself wide open I, I, that, that's, that's what a ref said to me now i don't um, know i don't know mikey um this is where this is where a mistake was made with the rule in, in my in my and of course it was done again because you had very poor referees who were unwilling to ref it uh, when they changed it from the fist only to the open hand. There's no skill with the open hand, mm. but there is skill with the fist. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you're coming in from the left and you're a right-hander. Okay, you now have to be able if you don't want to get the ball blocked, you have to fist it with your left. So the problem was that the referees were not calling open-handed points in the you know five six seven years ago and then they changed the rule where you can either fist it over by fist i mean the closed clenched hand or you can finger roll it over which is the top of your fingers which is no skill that is no. not a skill that's basically and, that's uh, tantamount to a throw throwing yeah, it over. So yeah. it's yeah. part of this thing that i have in, in with the ga rule book that you know they wanted to get rid of the pickup every skill the players are finding difficult to execute what's the solution how will you rid of it We'll dumb it down so that every Egypt who doesn't bother practicing the skill can get away with it. And that's essentially what happened, coupled with the fact that you had some a lot of weak referees who were unwilling to call at the end of a big long move, a fellow that flicks it over the bar from an angle and, and said, well, I, we, we can't, it's impossible to tell. But the gas thing was, we were up commentating 100 yards away and the first thing we'd all be saying is, that looked like an open hand to me. And yeah. then the replay, you'd see it. And it was as obvious as the nose in your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So would you be happy enough to keep the rule in if it was goes back to the yes. closed fist, Kev? Okay, there's a compromise I can live with. That's that's good. On that on that note, on that note of collegiality, we might leave it, Kev. Um, thank you very much for joining us, and we'll Thanks, catch lads. you again soon. And uh, Shane McGrabby with us now in a second to talk about hurling, where they also like a questionable hand pass. Welcome back. We've been joined by former Tipperary hurler Shane McGrath. How are you doing, Shane? How's it going, lads? Good to see you all this morning. All nice and fresh in the bank holiday. 
too, I, not too fresh. No, no, definitely not too fresh. It's a long weekend, Katie Taylor, etc., etc. But um, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about another great Titanic battle that took place. We'll, we'll start above in Salt Hill, I think, because it was, well, Shane, it was the game you were at. Rory was at it and myself. Yeah. Uh, Longford's biggest Galway hurling fan, Connor Neville, yes. was definitely glued to it, as was I. Um, I'm going to start at the end, actually, because um, I have a feeling a few of us may disagree on, on this point. Um, I 100% think that that was a free at the end. I think Paddy Deegan fouled Tom Monaghan. I think he went through him. He may have been going for the ball. He may have even got close to the ball, but he also clattered the back of his helmet. Um, Shane, as a died in the wool hurling man, I have a feeling you're going to disagree with me. I, I, I tell you now, Mikey, um, with everything that was going on in Salt Hill yesterday, I think the only person that was fully watching that play was Colin Lyons because there was just it was just crazy time before with the ball popping out to John Donnelly. Everybody was just waiting for the umpire to pick up the flag. I, I'd say the umpire hardly had the flag picked up and the ball was there. So did I see it in real time? No, but I suppose watching it back when I got a chance when I went home, for me, I, thought, I felt there was a connection with the ball and the ball went forward. So look, for me, it wasn't, but I think it was everything that went on. I suppose I was down in Wexford Park three weeks ago as well, Mikey, for the, when Conor Cooney got pulled up for taking too long. And I thought this was deja vu again. I thought when Cullen Lines blew it, he was blowing him up for taking too long. But credit Connor Cooney, I tell you, lads, he, he got no easy free yesterday and he nailed six of them. And that was a massive pressure free, but he's just nice and calm over. He doesn't look like he's killing the ball either. He's just striking it nice and mm. gently. But um, yeah, look, for me, Mikey, it probably wasn't a free, but your look. He, and it was windy. It Cooney was There was a fair wind, Shane, wasn't there? Fair breeze, Rory, going, yeah. like, say, Kilkenny boys would have had in the second half going down to that right-hand corner. Always breezy in Salt Hill, regardless mm. of the time of the year. But just, I thought that, I thought that Galway were, while it came down to a free in the last minute, Rory, in my opinion, Galway were the better team They here. were the better side. Um, I just have it on written down, you know, 22 minutes into the second half before Galway get their first point from play. I think, Joe, I think Joseph Cooney got it. So that'll tell you. They had nine wides and, you know, Henry was, I'd say he'll be disappointed with some of the shot selection, as you said, Rory, particularly with the breeze that was there, lads. Some of the shot selection wasn't good out by the sideline, but if they tidy those things up and they took half those chances for me, mm. whether John Donnelly got that goal at the end or not, they would have, they would have been, um, they would have pulled away handy enough, lads. Uh, just f- on the free, Connor, I'm wondering what your opinion is. Uh, Derek McGrath last night, uh, the man ball in all defence, I'm, I'm not sure it would stand up in a court of law. Well, I, my instinct initially, and this is what Colin Lyons had to look at, was that it was a free, that Deegan, it was a bit of a lunge from Deegan. He was a, a fraction late. It was man ball and all, but it was very much man. It was in that order. Man <laughs> came first. He has to go through the man's helmet to get to the ball. I mean, look, under, I would, Kilkenny were very exercised by it, and under Kilkenny rules, I mean, from what we hear, I mean, I was never at what a, rules. <laughs> I was never at a Brian Cody training session, but I suspect it wouldn't be blown. Not alone would Paddy Deegan not be penalised; he'd probably get some award after it. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yellow for diving, Connor. In there. Yeah. So, thank God for a cork ref. But yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the call was made. You actually apply the rules. The, the call was made. I mean, I thought I could see why Kilkenny were annoyed because often in sort of the championship rules of engagement, there's an, sometimes an understanding that those sort of things are let, you let belt away. He made the call. I thought it was on balance just about right. And uh, yeah, it was it was well slotted away by Cooney. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and the game itself, Rory, um, Galway, 
as we mentioned here after the Wexford game, um, their physicality is something that they should use. And I think it's something they use yesterday because Kilkenny are not easily rattled. And how one of those Galway goals came around was basically Owen Murphy being put in a fairly sticky situation and trying to loop a questionable hand pass over somebody's head. Galway made life very uncomfortable for Kilkenny. A lot of turnovers, like a lot of a lot of very strong tackles, which is exactly what you'd expect. And um, it's exactly kind of, it's imagine, this is how they, ha- they have so much skill, but to get that, to, for us to see and enjoy that skill and for them to get the benefit of it, this is also what they need to do. They have to use this physicality. They have to have to use the size they have around the field and the athleticism. They have, and they have it in abundance. I thought Dahi Burke was out, like it was like the Dahi Burke of old. He was just absolutely lording it on the edge of the square. Um, right throughout the team, they've got, uh, like, as I said to you before, I think Henry's very clear in terms of, it's a very Kilkenny-esque way of building your team. He plants a really strong spine right down through the middle and then fleshes it out around the edges and there's total commitment. It was it, it was a funny atmosphere around Salt Hill yesterday. Like, I was speaking to, even to, and Jackie mentioned the exact same because he had come up the night the night before i think and mentioned how there seemed to be a sort of a uh quite a, a dispirited um a preview mindset for a lot of galway hurling supporters like they were kind of half hoping that you know they'd maybe wouldn't get an absolute trim in here and they were expecting maybe a four or five point defeat there wasn't a huge amount of expectation and i think they delivered in spades they've also blown the championship i think to a certain degree wide open i know everybody keeps harping on about limerick and look we'll see the in, the injuries are starting to toll up as we know on that side of it but from an overall context i think yesterday's result god were good value for it i think as shane mentioned correctly they won the game by a point but they were probably more than one point winners and i think they've you know they've really put themselves in the frame now for the latter stages i think they they should come out of leinster at this point and i suppose from the rest of us from, from, from as far as the rest of us are concerned like it's it's brian cody versus henry shefflin part two maybe part three let's let's hope we get it again you know um shane they were you could say the, the one point defeat um perhaps flattered kilkenny a bit but you also have to ask yourself if TJ Reid had stayed on the field, mm. like, you know, <laughs> could things have been different? Uh, what did you see there? Was was he just not quite right? Or were you surprised when he went off at halftime? Because he was a little, like, he did seem a little bit subdued by his high standards. And then, like, when he didn't come out, it was, there wasn't a great amount of shock, I suppose. Yeah. I, I remember the first ball he got in his hand, like, he was free. And um, just, you know, when you're doing, you're doing co-coms or you're doing something and, you just have F down beside the free taker. And I actually had just a little line put down beside him. I, I looked up and I couldn't believe he'd missed it. Mm. Now, maybe that was that the was that the start of his bad day. Like, I mean, I thought he might have come back out just for the fact that they had the breeze. He's such a target man. He had scored a point from play just before that, but you know, they didn't bring him back out. And you know, and like Cody did on like he wasn't long making changes now with people that he wasn't happy with. James Maher came off, I think it was 22, 23 minutes gone. Just from being a midfielder, if you're off after 22, 23 minutes, not looking good, not looking good for the next day, maybe for him. Killian Buckley got taken off, you know. Um, I thought, like, Connor Brown taken off, TJ taken off. Like, there was kind of an air around the place that, like, 
a kind of a gasp like a TJ has been taking up. But I suppose that's just the ruthlessness with the manager. You know, to be fair, Tom Feeling came on. He got on a lot of ball. He actually gave a serious hand pass around the back. Yeah. And uh, I think Colin Lyons blew it for a throw. So it's another 50-50 one. But, you know, he, he has that kind of, I think that... That's one thing Cody might actually blow in training, I'd say, is a behind-the-back hand yeah. pass. <laughs> I also heard the interesting fact that Tom Feeling is a farmer. And I don't think there has been a farmer playing for Kilkenny... Uh, Nicky tell me since since uh, John Powers days, I think so. He's uh, a kind of Shamrock's man and a farmer, but yeah, look, I I, I don't know. Like, so you I don't think TJ was injured? You just think he was off? No, he was. I think no, I think no, he, he was. I think he was taken off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, he wow. was just off form, and they were not happy with him. Even when he missed that free, you could see in the sideline. They and he missed the second one, which wasn't as easy, but. Yeah. No, and then he came out to field and nailed one out to field against the mm-hmm. breeze. But look, I, I think, look, TJ, you know, it'll be a massive lesson for him. Will he start the next day? I still think he will. I think the man now is Owen Cody. Like, you know, I, mm-hmm. I really do after yesterday. And I, I you're good with the stats now, boys. Was Roy two yellow cards yesterday? Uh, there wasn't many anyway. Um, so I'm not I sure. think I, I, I have down two yellows, right? And I think the most fouled man in South Hill yesterday was Owen Cody. But on Cody finished the game at one of those yellows. So, like, you could see the frustration on the sideline with Kilkenny boys. You know, it just added fuel to the fire. Like, he he got on the ball. I think he was on the ball maybe 17, 18 times in the game. And he got fouled for, fouled for five of those. Picked off one, two from play himself. But the frustration was Jack Grealish or Darren Morrissey or whoever was near him was constantly fouling him. But I, I was really impressed with him yesterday. And I thought the one Galway guy who kind of curtailed him when he went back in him or went near him what was Parrish Mannion. And he kind of just cut off the ball, won two, won two great balls near the end. But while TJ didn't happen for TJ, I think, you know, the TJ, the, it went Henry, TJ, and I think the next king in weight now for Kilkenny is, is Owen Cody, in, in, in my opinion, and the way, and the way he heard there yesterday. Let's... Yeah, keeping it in the family, the, the, the nephew of the, of the opposing manager. Connor, um, what did you like about the, this Galway performance? Um, I thought again the middle sort of middle third between the half back line and the midfield were fantastic for Galway. I mean, particularly the two midfielders, Tom Tom Monaghan, who's been knocking around the panel for a few years. He has an All Ireland medal, didn't really play in 2017 except for maybe the odd cameo earlier in the season. He's really coming to his own this year. Joseph Cooney was superb. He was actually, I mean, he was extremely good against Wexford overall, particularly in the second half in terms mm. of. Winning ball, he, he scored two points against Wexford, was very good. That was all obliterated because, you know, that failure to pass the ball sort of lodged in the public mind afterwards. But, I mean, he was fantastic. And, and yesterday he was absolutely superb. Five points from play. He missed a chance late on. I think Galway had a few chances to push four points ahead sort of at the very, at the very end and were trying sort of shots that weren't on. And every time they missed... There was an air of foreboding that you were asking for trouble here, as indeed it subsequently arrived. But Galway, I, I think they are defensively very good. I mean, I know Shane is alluding to their, um, they're sort of being a bit uh, heavy-handed in the corner on, on Owen Cody. The two cornerbacks, you know, are very... Uh, I don't very, think they'll be the last to be heavy-handed on Owen Cody in an attempt to stop them, though. <laughs> I know you were, you were complaining about their tactics on Rory O'Connor the week before as well, or two weeks before. So, oh, well, he, he was just outnumbered more than anything, really. Yeah. But, uh, they're very, they're very good on the opposing puck out, I thought, particularly that half-back line. And the midfield were, were excellent again for it in supporting attacks and popping over points. So, you know, they're, they're playing very well going. And their shooting in the first half was very good. It deteriorated towards the end, but it was very good in the first half. Yeah. Um, well, Rory, we all know that this match was only a precursor to a handshake anyway. So what did you make of the handshake, Rory? Yeah, <clears throat> I thought it was interesting, though. <clears throat> it was... 
like in the media you build things up um you you try and latch onto a narrative and you try and build something up and you try and make out like and you know we saw last year Davy and Brian Lowen and Claire with the Claire Wexford thing and nothing really came of it it was pretty nondescript and it just kind of passed off really without much much of a fuss and it was largely the same yesterday just in terms of what we were able to see in a TV context until the very very end and in a five second and it just within one five second handshake the whole thing seemed to come to fruition in that it just looked like Brian Cody kind of letting him know like it, it was it was just one of these funny moments I suppose really where like how could you do this to us you know to us like you know like it was like this the, the, the jilted lover but I did feel it was a little bit disrespectful too to a certain extent from Henry's point of view in terms of like Henry has been an incredible servant to Kilkenny Hurling and a lot of the success that Brian Cody enjoyed as a manager. Henry has made an enormous contribution. So I don't know. I mean, like, how much can you read into it? We'll, 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 we'll meet again. We'll see you again down the road. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they will. You know, Henry took the Galway job. It was a great opportunity for him to go and be an intercounty manager. He couldn't really hang around for the Kilkenny job because who knows when that's going to come up. So, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I, is there more being made of this than we're reading into it? Or, or, you know, like, I don't know. What do you think, Shane? I don't know. Uh, yeah. I think, uh, I, I, I just, I, I don't know. Maybe a lot of people now might be roaring at this when they're hearing me say, how oh, dare I say that? But I think Brian Cody was wrong yesterday. I think he was totally mm. wrong um, from where I was looking. And I'll tell you, for my reason is that, as you said, Rory, before this, you know, when... When we look back in the history of Irish sport and you look back about, about who are the greatest, like and all this, you know, and Brian Cody, rightly so, will be up there amongst anyone for what he has achieved. It'll never be seen again as a manager ever in the history of the GA. But like he's a manager of Kilkenny since late 1998. Uh, we had some fair battles with him. We had unbelievable battles in National League finals, All Ireland finals. And I'd say he should know the routine by now is that at the final whistle, the managers nearly make their way towards each other. From where I was yesterday, the Kilkenny manager made his way straight towards the middle of the field. Who he wanted to talk to, I don't know, maybe it was the ref, but he wasn't for turning, I think, for a handshake. And I feel, from my point of view, and people can disagree if they want, that it was the Galway manager, it was Henry Sheffin that, that instigated the handshake, had to maybe call a couple of times for him to come back. When they did come back, I feel it was fairly frosty now, lads, as I said yesterday, the iceberg that hit the Titanic there nearly came between, you know, it was, it was that cold. Like, so, yeah, uh, it was. It was pretty I cold. Think, like, and we and we kind yeah, of went in yeah. for a second. We kind of went in for a second pull. Like, you know, there was the second kind yeah, of. Yeah, I know. And I know we don't want to talk about a handshake. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah. That's what it was going to be. That's yeah. what it was going to be. I mean, Brian Cody didn't travel up with the team yesterday, as far as I know. I think he came up in his own because he didn't want, you know, the media or anyone focusing in on him coming in with the team. What would he do if he seen Henry before? The Neither match? of so them refused. Yeah, yeah, both of them refused to do pre-match interviews as you know, well. So that was there. That was there. It was obviously on their mind as well, Rory. I'd say before the game. But look, and then he pulled him in, and Henry. I was just watching Henry leaving the field, and you no, know, his body language for me was a fellow who's maybe not not disappointed with the results, obviously, but I think a little bit disappointed with what went on afterwards between the two men. Will they yeah. meet again? Hopefully they will. But for it me, was it was a bit like that moment though, where. 
Luke finds out that Dart is really a bad dude. <laughs> Other Shane. Star Wars reference. I know, yeah, he loves him. Shane, love Star Wars reference. Shane, do, do you think Cody's reaction would have been different if Kilkenny had won? I say it even if it was a draw. I say even if it was a draw because it was a game that Galway were the better team overall. And like that goal that got, like, I mean, Aina Murphy will, will be disappointed with himself with the goal. It just bounced up, hit him in the chest and goes into the side net. John Donnelly was a good 30, 35 yards out at an angle. He'll be disappointed with himself. So, you know, I, I'd say even if it, if it was a draw, Brian Cody would have been a lot happier. But look, I'm not going to question Brian Cody as a manager. I'm just going to question what I see with my own eyes yesterday above Salt Hill in that the two managers are not come together. One was coming this way. And as I said to you, there was a 90 degree angle, you know, going for the yeah, other manager yeah. and... Uh, wasn't for turning. And Mikey, if you kind of look back, right? I mean, it, it, did Henry Shefflin get into his car and drive back to Kilkenny, you know, taking any pleasure out of that yesterday? I doubt it. I wouldn't say there was any pleasure. I'd say there's quiet satisfaction and it was a job done and he's there to do a job and they, they did their job well. I mean, if you look back through hurling history, like you only have to watch the interview with Eamon Cregan at the full-time whistle in 1994 when Offaly nicked one from Limerick and the the pain etched across Eamon Cregan's face when he had now faced the realization that he'd, uh, he'd, he'd obviously delivered an All-Ireland title against his own, his own county, who had been striving mm. for, so much, for, for success, for starved of success for so long. It was the exact same for Justin McCarthy. It was the exact same for John Mohan, I would imagine, when Leitrim beat Mayo in 1994, Four, was it yeah. 92, 94? You know, like, look, this is the nature of the game. I just think, look, Brian Cody is a very old school manager, would probably not really appreciate uh, of people going and managing outside Kilkenny. They're quite insular in Kilkenny in, in a general sense. You know, it's all about Kilkenny for them. And yeah, you know, it was, yeah, it was quite the moment. Mm. Um, we'll have to move on. We could, we could talk about this handshake all day, yeah. but um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll move south uh, to, to matters uh, in Sample Stadium. Uh, Connor, I said it about Derry, maybe with the football, um, that, you know, you can make a game look easy. I think Clare have done that in the first two games. So obviously what they're doing is, is, is a tactical master show for Brian Lowe and he's using his players the way he should. But they just, they're making the game of hurling look kind of as simple as it can do sometimes when the team plays it well. Their, their forward line is, seems to be incredibly fluid. They're working very, very hard. And again, as I said with Derry, if you have a good half back line, you go a long way. And Dermot Ryan, John Conlon, and David McInerney were just, they were just hoovering up Cork puckouts the last day, uh, there, um, yesterday. And uh, they, they look like a, a serious team. Yeah, I mean, it, I was writing about Brian Lohan at the end of last week, and there was a sense that they were a forgotten team. Now, they had a buy in week one, so that probably conditioned some sort of. Um, engineered that situation where they seem to be coming in under the radar but they had a very underwhelming league obviously we now know that um the league is about as reliable as the horoscopes in terms of judging <laughs> what happens in the hurling championship at this point we can just the best thing is just to forget it happened really the league um, isn't even the league anymore the league isn't even the league it's just yeah but uh yeah it's superb their forward line now um tellingly is an ensemble really at this point you know it had been a there was a sense, I mean, Tony Kelly played incredibly well in 2020 and 2021, and it seemed to me that he seemed to be almost benefiting 
from the absence of any uh, A-listers in the forward line alongside him. It was like the stage had been cleared for him and he, he, he was monopolizing all their, their scoring haul. Um, they actually, in 2020, as Mick Foley said, I think, last week, I mean, in 2021, they were very close to an All-Ireland final, had been probably underrated coming into the, into the championship, made a big statement, had a big statement win last week and probably an even bigger statement this week. Um, yeah, Peter Duggan there has come back. He's, he looks really, um, he's, he's sharpening up, he's very imposing. He seems to be playing with great vigour. Uh, Shane, Shane O'Donnell is there. Um, he's obviously, you know, he was out for the year and he, he's really buzzing now. Their forward line has a great balance to it. There seems to be a great balance to their team at the moment. And they're, mm. they're bringing a kind of, they're bringing a more intense physicality than we would have associated with them for a while. I mean, there was a perception that they were a slightly light team. And this is why, mm. this is partially, I suppose, why they weren't rated. Because it was, it was perceived that they wouldn't really have the physical tools to take on Limerick ultimately when it comes to it. Yeah. And we'll see how it goes. I mean, I, uh, is, the fixture schedule actually might have fallen for them because I believe they play Limerick's last game is against Clare. Yeah. And Limerick and, have a, a bit of a tendency in the last few years to, uh, so it's likely Italian style tendency to not really go fully at it if there's nothing at stake for them. I mean, we saw that in 2018, we saw it yeah. in 2019, and we see it in their attitude to the to the league currently. Yeah. So, I mean, it's all falling in for Clare. And I, I, Looks like they look good bet for a monster, and and a monster title will be a real um, target for them. You'd imagine they haven't won one this century, have they? They haven't won one. They're the only uh, monster team that haven't won one in the twenty first century. Ninety eight is the last. Won the All Ireland, obviously, but yeah, I'd say they'd be eager. They'll be they'll be gunning for that. That's uh, Shane. It's not a bad point Connor makes about the physicality. They they do seem to be a team now uh, made in the image of their manager, shall we say, in his playing day. He he's added a bit of steel to what we always considered a skillful team and they 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 now managed to marry the two elements. Yeah, absolutely, Mikey. But I, I just you see Brian Lohan there yesterday is a great image going around. Like he's not the most emotional on the outside guy anyway, you know, but obviously he has the respect of the players. They really like him, they like what he's about. But even yesterday I, I just love seeing him he just went up to the crowd and just kind of not not too flamboyant threatened, but just kind of he knew that they were behind him. He could he could feel that all week and clear coming up to the game when mm. a lot of people felt you know they were outside the top three. And I, I just reading up on them, like say before they started the Munster Championship this year, they'd only three wins from seven games like before that in the Munster Championship. We know they haven't won it. But I just what I liked about them yesterday was all right, you talk about they have they have their best team back in the field and you just kind of relate. They have a couple. They have a couple of more still to come. Shane. Yeah, you, you still have Aiden. You still have Aiden McCarthy not there. You know, and um, whether he'll come back if Shane Meehan's going to be right, Mark Rogers. But McCarthy, yeah. I was listening to LeBron James there. I'm not a huge basketball man, but I, I like listening to what they say sometimes. And he just they asked him about the Lakers, like, and why weren't you so good, or why why aren't you clicking together? It's and he just said it's because we haven't been on the court together. And like I think that's similar with Claire, like in that, like why haven't we seen this from Claire? It's because for the first time in a long time. You can look out in the you look out in the pitch and you can see Tony Kelly, Peter Duggan, and Shane O'Donnell all on the field at the same time. And the three of them on the field for any team is massive. And the confidence they give the rest of the group. Like yesterday, they go two points to one down, and in the next twenty five minutes, they outscore Cork fourteen points to two, because they just have this talent on the field now. Of, and it's not all on Tony. Like they can get the ball to five or six shooters now, whereas they couldn't before in previous years. Like you know. And the other thing for me was the maturity of the group. Like before, maybe with Claire, or maybe even like you know, with my own county, if a lad got sent off, you know, you just the body language, everything drops. 
what happened yesterday, Clare scored the next three points. They got, and I just thought, they got better after the sending off. They got better. Like, yeah. and it looked like, even listening to the comments, like, it looked like Clare, felt like Clare had the extra guy because mm-hmm. they just, they all, they had that Brian Lohan spirit. Like, we talk about Brian Cody. Brian Cody was like a spirit that can never be broken. And I think that's what Lohan is trying to get into the Clare crowd is a spirit that can't be broken, right? We're after losing the man. Let's see how you react. And geez, lads, he will be delighted with how they reacted with the next three points. And for me, like the Galway game, lads, Clare were much, they were a much better team. Ah, it was a two, it was a two point hammering. Like the, they were 15, four up at one stage and that did not actually flatter them one bit. That was like, now Cork rallied, a li- Cork rallied twice. Late in the first half, which made a bit of a liar out of the scoreboard going in at halftime, even though they were six down, I, I felt it was a much bigger gap. And then later on in the game, then as well, to bring it back to two, but it was desperation stuff. Like, Claire were the better side. Like, he has forged a really good... Do you know what Claire for me are? Claire for me are... They're kind of like... a sh- They're the opposite to Cork. In that, for the first time ever, all my years watching Claire, they have genuine pace in their forward line now as well. They've got forwards that are really dangerous. I mean, if you even go back to the All-Irelands that they won with in Delo's time, they only really had one forward. Like, they were dependent on James. You know, the scoring was a lot lower back then. They didn't have the... Like, they've got four or five really good forwards. What he's after doing to Cahill Malone in terms of confidence and in terms of converting him into the kind of ball-winning midfielder, he, he got criticism about the repositioning of John Conlon into centre-back, I would actually argue he's the form. He's nearly a better version in some ways than Tyke de Borca and, Dear, and, um, and Declan Hannon because what he actually offers you is he's, because he's got the forwards brain, he's very dangerous going forward. Like he can do all of the sit back in the pocket, got a great paw, really good positional sense. But then once they get the ball moving in the opposite direction, he's really, really smart on that, on that side of it. And I would say in Rory Hayes, only Sean Finn could match him. I mean, he hurled Jack O'Connor up a stick yesterday. Jack got, the curly finger after 20 minutes, they brought in the next man in, hurled him up a stick as well. He like, and like the, his ability to go on the front foot to actually get out in front, attack the ball. I, I like, I think Claire are contenders. For the All-Ireland? Or yeah, Munster. I do. Four and most corner forwards too. Like that's, yeah, that's, I do. That's I do. Kind of I do. Thing, I like. think, Claire. I think there's a unity of purpose. I think there's a really good momentum in behind them now. I think they've got um, a very good manager who, you know, people were saying this and that about them, you know, the league, or they don't have a plan, or they don't have this. For me, I thought Claire were absolutely outstanding yesterday. They deserve all the credit. They backed up their dismantling of tip the week before by taking Cork to the cleaners. And I think they're well positioned now for a, a good assault on both Munster and Liam McCarthy. Can I, can I offer the counter view here, Connor, and ask you that, uh, are we looking a little bit, like we were mentioned talking about Derry earlier and how the fixtures were unkind to them a little bit in the, in the, in the league in that they were left with Ross Common and Galway in their last games. And they looked like world beaters until they met the other two really good teams in the division. Um, Claire have been it's been kind to Claire here that they've come up against Tip yeah. and Cork, who clearly who clearly aren't are not vintage teams for these two counties. And as Rory pointed out, their next game is against the Limerick team, who could be wearing flip flops. So, um, could we maybe be getting a little bit too enthusiastic about them, or do we need to see them playing a geared up Watford or Limerick? 
I'm sympathetic to, to, to Rory's point, Jerry. I mean, you say the fixture list was kind to them. I mean, they played Tipperary after week one. They had a buy in week one, which I don't, I wouldn't have thought was ideal because you're coming in slightly cold against a team who had cut their teeth in week one and played very well. Also, their next two games are at home, and we know how hard Ennis is to get a grind a win out of. I know Tipperary did in um, around Robin a few years ago, but it's very hard to win there. I mean, even Limerick have found it tricky to win there um, in the past. I Claire and Waterford is a is a game that would intrigue me. I have to say. I mean, yeah, I know Waterford. Big time were, it would. Yeah. Waterford were clearly pegged as the second best team in the country, and probably. Still are. I mean, I don't know if there's enough evidence to suggest Clare have surpassed them at this point. But I'd be very interested in a game in Ennis between the two of them. And I wouldn't, I would find that very hard to call. And I'd, I'd suspect, I'd be leaning maybe even with home advantage to thinking Clare could take them. I, both teams will will progress from Munster now, I think. At this it, point, it, you know. it does look that way, Shane, doesn't it? Where do you put, do you, do you think Clare are serious contenders to be? Let's start with Munster finalists for a start and then work from there. I think that I think they're serious. I think they're they're more or less true. I think Tiff and Cork are more or less out of championship now, lads. And while mathematically it might seem that they're not, like Tiff have to go to Limerick next week. And uh, I think Kyle Hayes is going to be talking. I think Shane Flanagan will probably be talking. We're we've lost John McGrath, you know, to add to what's going on at the moment. And I think I just, Ed, Ed Connolly's gone as well, Ed, is he? Ed, uh, Ed Connolly gone from the twenties there as well during the week. So he's going he's going to be massive last for the twenties, like with a cruise ship as well. So I just, you know, there mightn't be a huge tip following for that match, to be totally honest with you, lads, because I think they know the inevitable is going to happen. I seen them firsthand against Watford last week. Again, Watford got the two goals. Limerick's last four shots against Watford were wide. Limerick could have won that match by seven or eight points, handy enough, in my opinion, from being there. Um, and I'm just worried about what could happen tip. And I just feel that Cork have to go down to Watford. And I think Liam Cahill will feel that uh, they didn't do themselves just against Limerick and that now they have a chance to basically not cork out the championship as well, but also get their get their confidence back up and going, get them back up to, to four points as well. So um, to answer go back and answer your question, Mikey, about Claire, I I I ran Claire from the start. I, I I thought geographically with the with the fixtures, two games away in inverted commas, like both in Turles and then mm. two games at home. Like even statistically or you know geographically how to set out how they're going to get there. They didn't have they only had to make two plans. They're no other plan for Ennis and, and they only had to make one plan for the two days in Turles. It was the same thing. So that was all an advantage to them. I think while they have beaten the two of the, the weaker counties in Munster so far, be it Tiff and Cork, they, what they've done and uh, the confidence they'll get from doing that and to take that at home to the next day against Limerick, I think it's massive. I think, do I think they'll beat Limerick in Ennis? Uh, I don't. Um, you know, I suppose it depends. Like Limerick will probably have six points going into it, so it depends what they put out. But I mean, their bench just seems to be awesome at the moment. And what John Kylie has, Mikey is subs who want to be on the team and lads coming back from injury that he may be able to use against Clare. So I do, I do think Clare are true, and I but I think the Munster final will be Limerick and Watford, in my opinion. Yeah, and just just a word, Rory. The final game of the Munster Championship, Semple Stadium, twenty second of May. Tipperary versus Cork. Um, yeah. This is going to be the oddest Munster Championship meeting between these two old rivals ever. Yeah, it's it looks like a bit of a fall from grace this year for both of them. But like, no, look, <laughs> mathematically, the two of them are not out of the championship yet. Like Tipperary, Tipperary they will be by the twenty second of May. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you look, you just don't know. I think. Um, there is always a chance 
a very, very small one now, I'd say, at this stage. I think, yeah, like, it's... It has dead rubber written all over it. Unfortunately, I think what will probably happen on that day is you're going to have uh, a square off for the right to play in the Munster final between Watford and Clare. That'll be a really interesting game. And I think Connor does make a good point. I mean, I, 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 I look, I think Clare have been persistently and consistently written off on, on, in fairness to Shane, not by Shane, but by a lot of us. I just think like, they're just, to me yesterday, they did, they were like Limerick light in one sense in that, and most teams now at this stage have kind of figured out if you go and be cock up, then play a hurling, you'll probably make the rest of the game easy for yourself. And they absolutely did that yesterday. And they're quite physical. They're in really, really good shape. Like, I'm t- they will give Watford and Limerick socks lit. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would be sure of that. I think they're right in the mix here. Like I would see 100% Claire going to be in the last four. Okay. Interesting. As, uh, we, we could talk about the other two games in Leinster, but let's be honest, Wexford 621, Leash 12, and Dublin 27 points to 116 winners. Eight points and only eight points. In well, that's game. it. As discussed on the Sunday game last night, uh, the Leinster Championship's a bit like the Six Nations now, so you do kind of need to make make hay against Leash and Westmead and they could come back and bite Dublin on the arse, especially if they uh they managed especially if they draw a game draw one of their last games and lose one of them. They could they could end up getting pipped by Wexford on score difference, which would be uh They need to change that rule though, Mikey. That rule needs to be changed. That like I think you need to it, it, like I said this to you before, um we got relegated in a in a Dublin league ourselves here. Oh yeah, need to go club. head to head. And it, they've changed the rule in Dublin. So it isn't your overall scoring difference. It's the scoring difference between the teams that are level on points. So the three teams that finished level on points worked out the scoring difference between the three of them. And we ended up being relegated. And I think that's probably what should happen. It shouldn't be overall scoring difference because you just don't know like what challenge you're being represented with, whether it's Leash one week, Westmead the next what their ambitions are, what they're targeting. Are they going to go heavy this week or they, are they not? So I think that would probably make for a fairer competition in terms of mm. if it does come down to scoring difference, which it might do. Yeah, Shane, what do you, like, just finally, that idea that, that, that Wexford went out there and put 621 on leash, basically, you would imagine, for fear of coming up against score difference, do you think it's... Uh, do you think it's kind of unhealthy? Do you think it's a, is it something that you should do in Hurland? Should you just go out and keep scoring until you can't score anymore? Or like, is is there something slightly unseemly about it? That's right, I suppose. You, you want to win as much as you can by as much as you can when you're a team that's in front. Like, you know, I, I think the argument has been made. What do we do with the leashes in the West Meats of this world? I suppose the last big win for a kind of a leash or a team coming up from Joe McDonough probably was 2019, I think, when when, when Leash overturned Dublin in, in mm. Port Leash that day. And they went on and they were competitive against Tip as well, like in fairness in Crow Park after that. But like for me, like I've said this before, from coming from a small place, small club, like if I got the opportunity to play one year at, at top level, Dan Breen, Dublin Tip. I I I'd love it. Like I just love the opportunity to play, at, just to just to see what it's like, see where I'm at. Because I think that's where the learnings are for Mikey. To be honest, like I I think for the leashes in the West Meads of the world, you know, one of them is going to stay up. So they'll see right. You're standing up beside a Dahi Burke, or you're standing up beside uh, you know Cahal Mannion, for example. You're playing him in Galway. You're standing beside a Rory O'Connor playing him against Wexford, and you realise right. I, I think I'm doing the gym right, but actually I'm not. I'm a mile off it. Look at the size of this fella. I think my diet's right, but obviously it's not. And the managers will have learnings from that too. So 
while they are taking big beatings, I think for them, the group and the players themselves, that's where they want to be and that's where they want to learn. And it'll make them better club players too when they go back to their club to realise, right, that's where these guys are at. And maybe what it comes down to, lads, is do the county boards like realise this? Like, Do the county boards with these counties realise, right, we thought we were giving you enough funding, but you know what, to be competitive, we're not. like, And that's, and that's the standard there. And that's the beat we're after getting. So if we want to be more competitive next year, we need to put more funding in it. So I think that's where they need to be at to learn and maybe to get the support they need to try and be successful in the future um, mm. with the leashes and the West Meats. I think Daryl will be delighted with what Wexford did yesterday. They needed it. Like I think they had only seven wides in the whole match. So they needed that. They'll take the confidence going to West Meath. Lads, there's a couple of humdingers, like, isn't there, you know, with, with Dublin welcoming Kilkenny to Parnell Park in a couple of weeks. But I think... For Dara, like it's it's he's just he's it's it's Westmead next week or Westmead two weeks, but I mean to go to Nolan Park with a chance now really like I was saying that if if Wexford could turn over Kilkenny and Nolan Park get through in the Leinster Championship, it's it's it's, it's a massive it's it's brilliant. I love I love the round robin. I I, I think it's it's a brilliant format. Yeah, yeah brilliant. it really is. No, it is. Um, and uh, yeah, as a Wexford man, I'm quite quite happy. Six twenty one will do for me. Um. That's it for today, lads. Thanks. We'll be back on Thursday to preview the probably the weakest weekend of this championship. Gore carrying football, oh, Donegal. The ambush, the ambush is waiting, Mikey. Galway, Leitrim, <laughs> and then Limerick and Tip in the hurdle. Four of possibly the most, like the bookies can't have the, any of those four games being very close, but we'll preview them. We'll preview the hell out of them. Thanks to Shane. Thank you, Connor. Thank you, Rory, as always. And thank you to Kevin earlier. And we'll chat to you on Thursday. Good luck. by winning the last two matches on the road and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurling, I love players that will never give in. He hits it, he hits it, it's over the bar!